know, I came into the league early, so I was drafted at 20. You know, so I'm 28 right now, born in the year nine. And I'll be a uh, puppy. You're a puppy. And, and, and it feels good, you know. Everybody, Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History Season 8. Allen Robinson has been one of the unsung, really good players in the NFL. Wherever he's been so far in his career, his quarterback play has been spotty at best. But now he believes he's landed in a really good spot with, of course, the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford as his quarterback, Cooper Cup on the other side of the receiving duo. What's it like going from teams that hadn't had a lot of hope going into a season to a team that's now one of the contenders to potentially win a Super Bowl again, the Los Angeles Rams? lot to get to with Allen Robinson. A really interesting interview. Hope you enjoy it now. Allen Robinson in Half Forgotten History. All right, let's start here. I'm not casting any dispersions, Alan, but let's just be realistic. Blake Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky, and now you get to play as a wide receiver with Matthew Stafford and the Rams. I'll say this, um, you know, it's it's a good feeling, and it's a good feeling just in the in the fact of, you know, whenever you have people who have been played coach at such a high level, you know, the the details in which we communicate, the details in which concepts are explained the details in which you know we're coached you know is very 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 in depth and as a player that's what you want you know you want to have and to know the all the specifics that go behind each and everything so being able to see that you know and experience that you know in my short time here this far you know has definitely been awesome how quickly did this come together and did you realize that you were going to end up in los angeles with the rams Pretty, pretty quickly, I'll say, um, you know, it, it, it was one of those things where, again, like once it um, once it came about, you know, um, it was a no brainer for me. You know, um, it was a situation of obviously you're going to a Super Bowl champion team. But again, with Coach McVay, with um, with uh, Matthew, with uh, Cooper Cup, you know, with Coach Yards, with with all the guys that they have, you know, and, and, I, and I've said this now plenty of times, but me being able to see players come from different environments, from different teams, whether if it's college, um, other professional teams, or whatever the case may be, have co- have come to, to Los Angeles. You know, they've really been able to to be at their best self and play at their at their highest level. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Coach Yar because for people that don't know, Coach Yarborough is a wide receiver coach for the Rams. Uh, he was a college teammate of my good friend Mark Schlereth, who I do a bunch of stuff with, and and everybody seems to rave about the things he does with wide receivers. And you just mentioned his name. So obviously it's someone that's already had an effect on you in the short time you've been with the organization. How did he manage to make that impact with you already? Um, each and every day, you know, Coach Yarbs is very specific, you know, when it comes into, you know, how he coaches, things for guys to improve, things to look for, you know, when we're on the field, not creating bad habits, you know, going about being the best receiver that we can be each and every day. You know, and as a vet and as a player, you know, that's something that you truly appreciate. You know, you want to be coached. You want to be coached hard. You want to be pushed to the level, you know, where nothing, nothing but your best is acceptable. You know, um, that's that's the level that you want to be pushed to as a player. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into more what the expectations are with you and the Rams in a minute. But this is you know, this podcast is also about the history and your journey uh, into the league. So when as a kid. Did you think, hey, I might be able to play in college? Like, was there a moment in, in a game, in a practice, somebody that something said to you? Was there was there a moment where it all clicked? I'll say the first experience that I can recall was my cousin. 
uh, he played at Illinois State. And I went to go see him play. I was about six or seven years old. I was playing flag football at the time. Uh, I was I was pretty good in flag. Um, like I said before, it was like the year before I started playing like contact football. And I remember mm-hmm. sitting in the stands watching his college game and thinking, this is what I want to do. And I and, and, and so I that, that. at that young, you were like six or seven years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. What 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 about it? Like, was it just the the magic, the majesty of it all, or just the competitive? Was it the crowd? What was it? It was everything. You know, um, I remember waking up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, um, all my family kind of getting together to to drive up to Illinois State to watch my cousin play, and it was such a big deal. It was such a big thing. You know, it was like. I, I couldn't wait for the experience myself, my family, and everything. And and once I got to the game, seeing the atmosphere, seeing how everything was, it was like I like this is this is what I want to do. You know, and at the time I also played basketball as well. But yeah, the, that kind of environment was what I wanted to be a part of at some point in time, whether that was basketball or football. All right. So how did you get from Detroit to Penn State? What was what was that process like for you? So my high school quarterback, actually Rob Bolden, he went to Penn State the year before me. He was the first true freshman to ever start at quarterback for Joe Paterno. So um, they had already uh, they were already recruiting, you know, from my school. And once my high school quarterback went up there, I got a chance to go up there with him um, unofficially and things like that. And I knew that that's where I wanted to to play. And I and I went to the spring game. I'll never forget it. It was about eighty thousand people there, and I went and I was like, wow, this is this is this is unreal. Like this is the place where I want to go. I want to play. My high school quarterback is here. You know, it all makes sense, you know, and I was able to and I was able to do that. <clears throat> yeah. You know, they talk about that whiteout game uh, that they play at night. And it's it's one of the like best visual games in college football. What What's that atmosphere like when you go into a, a, that game? It's uh, it's something that you can't even really explain, you know, uh, and it's something that I I can't even think of any other football environments that have come close to that, you know, and that's truly being honest, you know, um, I've played in some playoff games. I've done, I've played in a lot of different environments, but that whiteout game typically against the opponents that we're playing is going to be a, against a good team, uh, whether that's a rival game or something like that. And it's just that atmosphere is unmatched. Yeah. And you were at Penn state in the middle of when it all exploded. I mean, as a player who's just trying to play the sport he loves and just you know potentially work your way into having a, a shot at a playing career in the NFL, when that the whole thing with Sandusky and Paterno, when that whole thing exploded, what was going through your mind? It was a uh, it was a lot, you know. Um, at the same time, being uh, 18 years old at the time, um, I just wanted to make what was the best decision, you know. And it was so many different things we could transfer. Um, freely transfer. Um, I, I loved Penn State. You know, I had enjoyed being there. I had dreamed about playing there. I felt like I had earned myself uh, the right to be able to play going into my sophomore year. So it was a lot going on. You know, again, I didn't register as a freshman, so I had some familiarity with, you know, playing and things like that. And ultimately, the best decision for me was to to stay and uh, stick it out. But, you know, it was a tough decision to make. You know, again, it was, it was a tons of coaches calling and everything like that. So, you know, it was definitely hard. And I, I feel like when when something like that, which is so unseemly and it has nothing to do with the players, when that happens, it, it almost feels like you guys are forgotten in all of this, right? Because it's all, what about this and what about that? And you're just out there trying to do what you came to school to do. How, how difficult was it managing the circus? It was 
I would say it got a little bit easier, you know, as time progressed, um, obviously. But, you know, early on, um, it was a lot, you know, like you said, it was a circus, you know, constantly from the time everything kind of happened to media to everything. It was it was a constant circus to coaches being on our campus. It was it was it was a lot. You know, it was a lot. It wasn't anything yeah. that it wasn't how I foresaw, you know, um, on my first <laughs> year, year and a half of college football being. So it was it was a circus. Yeah, nobody nobody signs up for a scholarship and says, you know, and I really hope one of the greatest sex scandals in the history of college football happens while I'm there. I mean, like, how, how do you how do you prepare for that mentally as an 18 year old? How did you process it? I process it. I, I in my football career, I've always tried to keep the main thing the main thing as much as possible, which is football. Yeah. So even in that situation, you know, I I thought about everything. You know, the main thing for me was I wanted to I wanted to be able to get on the field. You know, um, I. I I, I enjoyed playing at Penn State. It is a Big Ten school. I'm going to be playing against good competition, you know, and those were all the things that I was able to compartmentalize, you know, uh, as all that was going on, you know, to ultimately to to keep me to stay there, you know, to then, like I said before, to then go on and, and play against these teams in these big games, and that's what I came there to do. Well, listen, whatever you did worked because you ended up being a second-round pick uh, in the draft in 2014. Um I'm sure everybody feels that you probably thought you were a first round pick, right? What 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 was your what was your thought process going into the draft and what were you hearing from from teams? Yeah, so also to kind of piggyback on what we just were talking about, I wanna I wanna always give a shout out to Coach O'Brien. Um Coach yeah. Bill O'Brien was O'Brien. a person who came into into the program who helped me tremendously as a young player. You know, him and his staff, Coach 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 Stan Hickson was my receiver coach as well. So those two guys were were definitely tremendous to my uh, maturation as a player. But um, going into the draft process, um, again, everybody thinks they're first round guys. You know, it's funny. I actually saw <laughs> I saw Devonte Adams say that he uh, he thought he was going to the Panthers. You know, and it's funny because I thought the same thing. I spent a lot of time with the Panthers, like the week of the draft, like us, uh, and that's where I thought I was going as well. And I ended up picking picking Kelvin Benjamin. But um, it was a it was a roller coaster ride. You know, it's one of those things where for me. Um, I just wanted to do everything to the best of my ability from the combine to pro day and everything. And then, and then, and then wherever the chips fell, you know, I was cool with that, you know, and ultimately I ended up getting drafted yeah. into a good situation where I came in, you know, playing, playing very early into my uh, professional career. Yeah. So you, you go to Jacksonville when they were in the midst of that, like, it seemed like every year they had a top five pick, but you were sort of when they started to put it together. Uh, and, you know, you were there for those those two glory years, I guess, of Jacksonville when they were on the on the come up. And, and what was it like being a part of something that was really down and sort of feeling, hey, we're moving in the right direction? It was very exciting. When I say very exciting, um, to come into a situation where it's a 3-13 and 13 team, like you said before, picking in the top five year in, year out, to my fourth and my last year there walking into the stadium in a wild card game, seeing it fully sold out. You know, that was the yeah. reason why they brought a lot of us there, you know, to be able to to accomplish that, to be able to to change that culture. You know, like I said before, from my first game playing there, the third row of the stadium will be tarped. You know, so so yeah. so being able to see it fully sold out for a wild card game, you know, that was special. It was a special feeling. And, and then of course, twenty seventeen season you get injured first week of the season. And that turned out to be a really magical year for the Jaguars. They make it all the way to the AFC championship game. What was that feeling like seeing the team achieving all the success and you got hurt week one, you, you couldn't really be a part of it on the field? It was tough. It was one of the, one of the toughest things that I thought I had to go through, you know, being able to, you know, 
sitting back and watching my teammates at the same time, you know, being excited for my teammates and being excited for what they were accomplishing, you know, but ultimately losing that game against New England. You know, I think about that, you know, just in in in, in, in barbershop talk all the time. It's like if I was on the field, yeah. you know, in that game, you know, I feel like I feel like Jacksonville Jaguars might have been able to have them a Super Bowl. You know, um, again, I mean, it yeah. was it, it was a game that came down to the wire in New England at Gillette. I believe Jacksonville was up 10 or something like that with like seven minutes yeah, left in the game. Yeah, 10 points in the fourth quarter. 10 points in the fourth quarter. 10 points in the fourth quarter, you know, and, and, I, and it's like, wow, like if I had been able to be out there and help my teammates, you know, um, I think it's a good good possibility and good chance, you know, that we're able to maybe come out with the W that game and then go into the Super Bowl. Did you travel? Were you there at the game, or yep. were you were you back in Jacksonville? No, I traveled. Yeah. I traveled out of the game. Yeah, yeah. I traveled. I started okay, traveling so, uh, late in that season, um, around like week twelve or thirteen. I started traveling with the team. Yeah, because you know, I remember early in that game, uh, you know, Gronk got laid out on a big hit, and and uh, you know, there was the, the inadvertent whistle on that Miles Jack play that might have sealed the game if he had been able to take that back to the house. I remember watching that game, and I'm thinking, this is the Patriots. They're at home. They're down by 10 in the fourth quarter to Jacksonville. What the hell is going on? That must have felt like well, – I mean, that. what was the energy like on the Jacksonville sidelines in that game? It was such a – honestly, it was such a confident group of guys. You know, from Jalen Ramsey to A.J. Bouye, Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, Yannick, uh, Dante Fowler, uh, Miles Jack, Telvin Smith, across the board. You know, it was – a ton of talent and guys who had played a lot of ball and guys who had had success at at high levels. You know, that's young guys and vets. You know, so um, it wasn't it wasn't too shocking to anybody on the sideline. You know, again, I mean, that was that was a year where the defense played with an extreme chip, and each and every game they came into it, you know, they wanted to dominate the other offense. You know, and that's and that's kind of they kind of set the tone for the team. Yeah, that team and, and that 2017 Jacksonville team to me is like the epitome of how fast things change in the NFL. I don't think there's a single player left on the Jags roster that was on that 2017 team. I mean, that's how quickly it all fell apart. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is I don't think there is either. You know, again, and it's and it's so crazy because you know, at that point in time, we had so many different young guys. You know, um I was in my fourth yeah. year. I believe Jalen Ramsey, he was in his second year. You know, um a lot of our uh, guys on defense was in year 2, year 3. So we had we had uh, we had so, so many young, talented players on that team. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember Jalen showed up to training camp that one year with the Brinks truck, <laughs> and the comedian uh, coming out of the truck said, "I'm trying to get paid." And now you're teammates with him again, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but why don't we take our first break here? When we come back with Alan Robinson, we'll talk about going to Chicago, what those years were like, and then we'll figure out what happens next going forward with uh, the Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. Uh, we're back on this episode of Have Forgotten History right after this. All right, everybody, time for a little Allen Robinson trivia brought to you by our good friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans, unlocking your potential to drive your ambitions as far as you want to take them. Heading into this season, Allen Robinson has caught a grand total of 40 touchdowns in his eight-year career. But which quarterback has thrown the most touchdown passes to Allen Robinson? We'll give the answer at the top of the next break. You know, you open up a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter and you're opening more than doors. You're unlocking potential to do your own thing, be your own boss, and live out your own dreams. With 16 body types, your choice of a gas or diesel engine, and thousands of ways to customize, a Sprinter van is capable and versatile enough to help you drive your ambitions as far as you want to take them. So go ahead, unlock your potential inside a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. 
All right, back on this episode of Half Forgotten History with uh, now Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson. So when we left off, we were talking about how achingly close you guys were in the 2017 AFC Championship game. And as it turns out, that was your last game as a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. When did you know that you were leaving and how did you get to Chicago? Um, probably maybe a month before free agency. I had a conversation with, with, with Coach Coughlin at the time. Um, and we kind of spoke as far as, you know, kind of the direction that they were uh, moving in and, and, and that they foresee me, uh, that they foresaw me in that, you know, but it was it was it was other things a part of that as well. You know, so at that time, I, I, I kind of knew leaving that meeting, you know, that I wasn't going to be uh, on the on, on the roster just based on, like I said before, um, many different things that they were trying to accomplish overall. So at that point in time, I started to, you know, figure out you know, where and what might be best, you know, for me to kind of go in and 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 truly revive myself from a career standpoint, coming off an injury and things like that. And how quickly did Chicago sort of step up and say, hey, we believe you can do that here? Pretty quickly, pretty quickly. And, you know, um, with with the staff that they had coming, you know, with uh, them coming from running uh, – a similar offense to Kansas City, you know, I knew for myself and the skill set that I brought to the table that I would be able to right. to really utilize uh, every part of my game and be moved around, play in the slot more, play outside, you know, run run uh, the whole route tree and things like that. So tell me about the Matt Nagy experience because this is a guy like – I know Matt. I've known him a long time. I thought he did a great job in Kansas City. I think he'll do well uh, back there under Andy Reid's tutelage again. Um, it, but it, it, none of it ever just seemed to mesh. You know what I mean? He, he, he went into Chicago and it was this offensive minded coach and they was, he had a bunch of trick plays and all this kind of stuff. But the offense was the thing that was kind of holding the Bears back. And how much do you think that was Mitchell? How much do you think that was Matt Nagy? What was your take of the situation? Someone who was in there. And by the way, it was very productive in that offense. Yeah, it was um, it was it was us as an offense trying to establish an identity. And trying to to do what was best for the entire group, you know, and I think that we never kind of found that middle ground, you know, to be able to accomplish everything that we wanted to accomplish. But I do think that, you know, um, for us as a as a as a offense, we weren't as productive as we wanted to be over time. But I think that we did have we did have moments where we where we stepped up to the plate and was able to help us, you know, uh, get to two playoffs you know um in that four seasons of my time being there so we did have some productive moments we just weren't as consistent as we wanted or needed to be yeah and that that one playoff game with in 2018 was just it was a mess man and and that that was the double doink game I think that's what everyone will remember it like what what was what's it like living through that seeing the opportunity like present itself and then doink doink game over season over what the hell just happened it was tough, you know. It was tough because we had uh we had clicked um down the stretch. Me, um, uh, me and Mitch, and just the offense in general. We had a couple key completions down the stretch. I believe we got the ball back. Well, they were kicking off with forty seven seconds to go. I think we were down two or so. Tariq Cohen got a long return to put us in in position to be able to make something happen. Um, I had a couple catches on that drive, so we. So we felt good about it, you know. Again, I mean, go, even going into that drive, you know, we had we practiced two minute situations, you know, all season. So we were definitely built for that situation, and we got to where we wanted to get to as far as you know, um, a position to be able to attempt a, a field goal that was makeable, you know. And unfortunately, you know, we came out on the short end of that stick. 
Double doink game. I'll never forget it. Uh, it's just one one of the craziest things I've ever seen. You mentioned Tariq Cohen. I'm glad you did because you know he just recently was trying to get back into the league and and looks like he ruptured his Achilles. You know, I, I don't know if you read the article he wrote for the Players Tribune talking about the things that he'd gone through. Did you under did you as a teammate know all that was going on, or did he hide that from everybody with the things he was dealing with? Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't know everything that was going on. You know, certain things certain things we knew as as uh, some of his close buddies and teammates that was going on, but you didn't know the depth of it. You know, and and yeah. Tariq is one of those guys who um. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how tall he is, but he has the heart of a giant, you know, and he can take on so many different yeah. things, you know. Um, and when I say take that on, you know, like I said before, him dealing with all that, you know, and still being a player that he was, you know, and and like I said before, he's as tough as they come, man. Um, um, it's it's been unfortunate, you know, some of the some of the cards he's been dealt, but there's no doubt in my mind if it's anybody who can come back from any of that and who can bounce back and and still be who they were and make a name. Well, not make a name for themselves, but really, you know, um, hone in on that person that they are is Tariq. You know, he's a person who can come back from anything. You know, I'm a, I'm a true believer of that. You know, he has a, he has that big of a heart. Yeah. And for those that haven't read it, please go check it out on the players tribune. It's a, it's a, from Tariq Cohen. It's called a note to my younger self about the things that he didn't let a lot of people know that were happening in his family situation with some of his brothers and the things that he sort of went through and, and took on as a burden as he was trying to also make a name for himself in the NFL. It's really a heartbreaking story. And we certainly hope that, uh, you know, he recovers from that injury that uh, it certainly looked like uh, it was a ruptured Achilles and he's trying to get back into the league. So all the best for Tariq Cohen as he continues to go forward. Um, so, you know, then the Bears move on from Mitchell Trubisky and uh, now he's uh, going to be with the Pittsburgh Steelers after a year backing up Josh Allen of Buffalo. And of course, Justin Fields is going to be the presumptive guy going forward. What were your uh, observations, thoughts about his rookie season? Um, it was uh, it was us trying to um, we were trying to do a lot as a team, you know. And when I say do a lot as a team, it was a lot of moving parts, you know. Again, um, unfortunately for us, uh, from a, a skill position standpoint, we didn't take many snaps in preseason with him. So as we're going through uh, the season now, you know, it's us adjusting to everything and many different things on the fly. You know, it's us trying to make up for, you know, time lost that we didn't have in OTAs or didn't have in camp, you know, on certain throws or on, on, on many different things, you know. So it's us trying to – it was us trying to continue to, you know, figure things out as the season is going on, which is tough, you know, because you don't have as good as chemistry as you may want to have at that at that point in time. You know, um, it's, a, it's a lot of different things that you're having to, to learn and go through through the season, which is tough because you have opponents to beat. Listen, a Bears quarterback situation or a Bears quarterback uh, production issue is nothing new in Chicago. You know, <laughs> you go back to Hall of Famer Sid Luckman in the 40s. You had Jim McMahon in the 80s. And it's just been a lot of guys. What are your thoughts on, on Justin being able to sort of stop that uh, run of not great quarterback play and be able to establish himself as a franchise quarterback for the Bears starting this season and going forward? Yeah, you know, I think he has the talent to do it. You know, um, again, uh, obviously, you know, um, it's a it's a lot of things that go into it, you know, other than just talent, you know, but I think he has all the tools and the ability to to, to be able to do that, you know, and he also has has a great um uh young supporting cast, you know, in in uh Darnell Mooney and uh David Montgomery, you know, he has some guys, you know, Cole Command, he has some guys that, you know, that he's now got a year under his belt playing with, you know, and they've been able to build some chemistry, so they should be able to build upon that.
Yeah. But again, that's your past now and your future is with the Rams. And why don't we take our second break here? And when we come back, we'll talk more about expectations now for Allen Robinson with the Super Bowl champion, LA Rams. We're coming right back on Have Forgotten History. We all know you're planning to place a bet this weekend, so if you're going to do that, you should learn all the trends with Caesar Sportsbook and my weekly show, Trades Trends. Look, as we begin the 103rd season of NFL football, there is a league-wide trend that cannot be ignored. Dog Day Afternoons? Not just a great movie, a common occurrence in the NFL. For example, last season, underdogs won 37% of the game straight up, the highest rate since 2015. And dogs have covered more than half the games in each of the past four seasons. Week one last year, off the charts historic. Underdogs were 12-4 and four against the spread and 9-7 and seven straight up. Those 12 covers were the most by dogs in week one in the Super Bowl era, and the nine outright wins tied for the most in week one over that time frame. You want more NFL trends to help you bet? It's very simple. Follow at Caesar Sports and Wingos on social media for the latest episodes of Trace Trends. Must be 21 or over, 19 over in Ontario. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problems? Well, in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with Kansas Cross Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harrison Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. 467369. Ontario, visit connectsontario.ca or call 1-866-531-2600. Or text CONNECT to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. As promised, the answer to our Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans trivia question about Allen Robinson. The quarterback that has thrown him the most touchdown catches? None other than the legend that is Blake Bortles. 22 of Robinson's 40 touchdown grabs came off the delicate arm and touch of none other than Blake Bortles. And now back to our Half Forgotten History episode with Allen Robinson. All right, back on this episode of Half Forgotten History uh, with Alan Robson, who hopes to write a lot of great history now as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. So answer me this one before we go anywhere else. What is it about Cooper Cup that makes him so unguardable? I swear sometimes I watch a game and I feel like he's out there with an invisibility cloak from Harry Potter because he always seems to get open. He has such a detailed approach when it comes to every aspect of the game that's that's run game that's pass game that's route running that's catch points that's catch transitions you know he he does he does everything so well you know and he's and he's very cognitive of that in in his approach to practice and his approach to film you know and it's and it's and it's 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 fun to see you know and it's fun to and it's fun to be on the other side of him you know because like i said before when you're playing with guys that are that meticulous at their craft, you know, it definitely challenges you as a player to to be just as meticulous in what you're doing, to, de- to be just as locked into the details and focusing the details of, of what you want to get done as a player. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because before this season, I used to say about the Rams, I thought their receiving core was interesting. I, I didn't think they had a one, but they had a bunch of really good twos, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, a lot of those names. And then Cooper sort of rewrote the record book and, and clearly let – Everybody know this year. No, no, I'm a one. I'm, I'm a true number one wide receiver with the numbers he put up. Knowing that he's going to draw all that attention, how does that translate to how you're going to attack 
and you think defenses are going to try and defend you this year. Yeah, and my approach is 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 not different than any other year. It's it's making sure that I'm ready and available when my number is called. When I say available, I mean open. You know, open in the right time frame of the progression, doing everything that I need to do. You know, to to make sure that when my ops are are called, that I'm able to capitalize on those. You know, so it definitely doesn't change anything as far as as far as my approach. You know, I'm coming in here, you know, trying to make every single play when my number is called. And what if uh, either Sean McVay or Les Snead, the who the Rams GM who we had on a previous episode, what if they told you about what their expectations are for you and and the things that they want to see you do? Yeah. Um. Again, we. The way that Coach McVay coaches and the way that this offense kind of is, again, I don't think it's – there's not there's not a – you can't pinpoint a true expectation, you know what I'm saying? Because, again, how defenses yeah. play, how they adjust to what we're doing, how everything is, you know, um, you don't know what the defense is going to do and what they're going to play, you know. But what I can say is that, you know, again, for me being able to – to be moved around for me, being able to run the entire route tree, like I said before, is just is making sure that you know I'm just capitalizing on my ops, you know, and I'm sure that the ops are going to be there, you know, um, uh, and it's just you know making sure that I'm ready when those opportunities come, and, and I will be, and I'm excited for that. Yep, you know, if you watch the Super Bowl, it changed dramatically when one thing happened when Odell went down with the torn ACL, and suddenly it was okay. We just for the Bengals, we just got to stop Cooper Cup and. And the offense really went through a quarter and a half for the Rams where it wasn't really working. So it proves that you can have one great wide receiver, but you have to have other options. And, you know, I, I think the idea of Allen Robinson coming into this team now is going to be, look, I don't want to compare you to anybody else. I don't want to say you're going to be like that, but at a OBJ type situation, you know, we talked about the lull the Rams had last year when Robert Woods went down and OBJ had to have that transition to, to figure out his place in the offense. It just speaks to the importance of having several ways to attack teams. Do you feel like that's sort of your, your biggest role? Definitely. You know, again, I mean, you always want to have more than one way to skin a cat. You know, I think that's, I think in the, in the uh, NFL, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to just try to rely on one thing. Like I said before, from the way that this offense is set up, you know, playing with a veteran quarterback who's, who's seen and played so much ball, you know, it's that everybody's viable on, on, on each and every play, you know, and it's about taking what the defense has given us, you know, and attacking the defense and being able to, to make them pay, you know, for, like I said before, for things that they're doing, you know, um, that we can capitalize on. So again, I mean, um, when it comes to, when it comes to role, you know, like I said before, we have two receivers out there and, you know, my job is to win on each and every down, you know, that's plain and simple, you know, if that's, you know, run game, pass game, whatever that may be. You mentioned the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, as a kid that grew up in Detroit. Is it sort of weird now that he's going to be throwing you the football? It's it's pretty cool. You know, again, um, I had the I had the chance to um, I, be, I believe, you know, um, when I was in, in high school, I met uh, Matthew for the first time because, you know, with him being in Detroit, um, he would come up to our high school uh, uh, games a little bit. And I don't think at the time I was I was in high school. I believe I was in college, but. Um, I believe he was up there watching the game, and I was as well. You know, but seeing seeing all the work that he put in, you know, being the best quarterback um, in my lifetime for the Detroit Lions, <laughs> um, is 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 yeah. it's pretty dope to be able to to come here and be able to play with him. You know, again, like I said before, man, he's one of the best in the business. You know, he's done it for such a long time. Yeah, and it's interesting too, Alan, because I think bringing in a player like you is really important for a team that has had success and has reached the mountaintop. Because I think it's easy for a lot of people to say, we did it. You know, it, 
players that have already been there and won the ring. I've done this. And then the season starts over again. And sometimes it's up to guys like you and said, hey, that's great that you did that, but I haven't yet. And I need you to help me get what you got. Do, do you feel like you can be a sort of an external motivator or an internal motivator for those guys that have already sort of achieved the mountaintop? Definitely, definitely. No, um, but being being completely honest, you know, I don't think that um, we have we have anybody who's uh, complacent or who's just happy with the success that yeah. they've had last year. You know, I've seen that just in this just in this brief OTA period, you know, um, um, how guys coming to work, you know, the 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 effort that they put in, stand after watching tape, you know, you have a group who who truly wants to go out there and be the best team that they can be this year, you know, and I think that's the main focus, you know, it's about it's about being in the moment right now, you know, um, it's not about last year, it's not about you know the future, it's about being being where our feet are right now, you know, and taking advantage of of uh, every day and every opportunity. And you're reunited with your former Jacksonville teammate Jalen Ramsey. What was your relationship like in Jacksonville? It was good. You know, um, it was it was a it was a good, very very competitive relationship. You know, um, and I think that you know our relationship got better over time with some of those battles that we were having. You know, and again, you know, um, you gain you gain respect for a player like that who's coming to the league. You know, with very high expectations and been able to even exceed probably others' expectations. And I know, you know. Um, um, knowing how I know Jalen, you know, he, I don't even think he's, he's reached his own expectation yet. I think he still feel like, you know, he has another step that he can take his game, which is so dope to see, you know, as a player who's playing, you know, the best at their position, you know, still feel like they can take another step, you know, and that's just the kind of guy he is, you know, and when you see players who, who come out there with that intent each and every day, you know, you, you can't do anything but respect it. And, and you going to the Rams kind of makes all the sense in the world because this is the way they operate. You know, they're in a stretch where they haven't used a first round pick in seven years. <laughs> you know, the way they do it is instead of like taking a chance on someone in the first round that they believe can be good, they a lot of times use that capital and go get a player that has already proven themselves to be good in the NFL. So, uh, in, in a way, you joining them makes all the sense after all the success you've had in the 3,000-yard seasons in the league already. Yeah, I mean, again, it's been exciting. You know, um, it's been exciting in the sense that, you know, um, even 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 before I signed, you know, um, the approach that I was taking to this uh, offseason, you know, it's been the best offseason I feel like that I've had, you know, just from across the board, you know, from the time last year ended, you know, from, from – um, putting together my body from my training regimen to the things that I want to get accomplished on the field, you know, um, I've been able to, to have the best off season that I've had thus far, you know, and then now with, with signing and joining the Rams and pushing that forward, you know, having a coach like coach McVay, you know, um, having a quarterback like Matthew playing with Cooper, you know, those things have just been, you know, able to get on the grass with those guys now and just kind of, you know, really see their approach, you know, and take that to another level, you know. So it's been it's been very productive, man, and I'm, and I'm truly glad and excited to be where I'm at. How much of a sell is L.A.? I'm just, like, around the league. I'm just curious, right? Because SoFi is – I'm, I'm sure it's, it's the craziest stadium in the world, and it's set up in Los Angeles where there's a million different things you can do at a million different times a day. How much literally is the idea of – LA a selling point for a lot of free agents. You know, um being able to get to a city like LA is is uh is definitely uh pretty cool. You know, I think but for me the bigger thing was, you know, the culture um the culture player wise, coach wise that I was joining. You know, um because uh, again for me, you know, it's um I'm going into my ninth year in the league now, you know, and and you know, keeping the main thing the main thing for me which is football, you know, has always 
uh, done me right, you know, and that's and that's kind of how my approach is, and that's how I like to go about it, you know. So from the time that you know I got a chance to to speak to Coach McVay and to and to uh, Matthew and those guys, you know, it's it was a it was an easy easy choice, you know. And I mean, being in being in sunshine every day helps as well, but you know, uh, keeping the main thing the main thing has been has been very uh very uh, beneficial for me. Well, listen, it's it's a reason why you stick around for nine years and hopefully a lot longer. It's funny you say that though because. Uh, we did have another taping earlier today with uh, another player, people that may have heard of from the Detroit area, wide receiver Calvin Johnson, Megatron. And, you know, one of the things he said, and I, and I think you are the opposite of this. He said, one of the things that bothers me about a lot of wide receivers in the league right now is they're such divas. You know, they're they're preening and prancing and, you know, showing everything on it. I don't feel like that's you at all. I feel like you relate to what Calvin was talking about, about just go out there and work. Definitely. You know, again, and that's where it's at, you know, and, and I get it, you know, even for myself now, you know, having having a YouTube and things like that and trying to express myself a little bit more outside of football. But truly for me, you know, it's always the main thing is the main thing. And that's everything in between the lines. You know, that's even now, you know, getting back, you know, um, okay. after after OTA days, you know, making sure that I'm looking through my notes, going over plays, you know, um, continuing to watch, you know, my route running, seeing how I can get better, making sure that every time I step on the field, I'm trying to focus on something that I can get better at that day, whether if it's, you know, a catch point or, you know, a transition in my routes or anything, you know, because like I said before, man, football has got me this far and, 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 and keeping the main thing, the main thing has got me this far. So, you know, it's no need for me to change that now, you know, just, just continue to keep my head down and, and, and uh, my foot on the gas. And you said this is your ninth year. Calvin retired after his ninth year. I mean, it's still weird to think that he's been gone from the game for seven seasons already. It's crazy. So in your mind, how long do you see yourself playing? Um, that's a good question. You know, for me, fortunately, you know, I came into the league early, so I was drafted at 20. You know, so I'm 28 right now, going into year nine. Yeah. And I'll be a uh, puppy. You're a puppy. And, and, and it feels good. You know, it feels good to say. I, I, can, I can honestly say that one thing that has always felt good for me is Nine years in this league, I've never been the oldest uh, guy in my receiver room, you know. So that's that's always been it's always yeah. been pretty cool. So I feel good, man. I'm going to year nine. My body feels good, you know. I still got a lot left in the tank. All right. So last year, the Rams literally had the Hollywood ending. They get Matthew Stafford from Detroit, and they put it all together in his first year there. That's two years in a row, by the way. We've had a quarterback change teams, and that team has played a home game in the Super Bowl and won it. So that was the Hollywood ending for the Rams last year. In your mind, what's the Hollywood ending for Allen Robinson this year? Yeah, I think I think helping us get back to that point, you know, again, and, and, it, and it's going to take a lot of work. You know, it's going to take, you know, uh, like I said before, one day at a time, one game at a time. You know, so right now it's just continuing to stack those blocks, continuing for me to, you know, get get better with learning the system, learning everything, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, owning it, you know, as far as how I can bring my own uh, element to the game, you know, that's, you know, from a route running standpoint, you know, that's, you know, being able to, you know, catch some of those 50, 50 balls, you know, that's being able to do everything that I was brought here to do, you know, and I think that ultimately for myself, you know, that's, that's, that's all that I can ask out of myself, you know, and I think that everything else will play out, you know, we have a very hard working team, a very humble team. And I think a team that's hungry, that's hungry and uh, eager to get back out there, you know, and, and, you know, for this 2022 team to make a name for itself. We'll see if Allen Robinson is the piece that makes sure the Rams do something that hasn't been done since Super Bowl 38-39 by the Patriots. Repeat as Super Bowl champs. Allen, we appreciate the time, man, and, and best of luck in L.A. and enjoy it, all right? I appreciate it. Thanks for you having me. 
Once again, thanks to Alan Robinson for joining us on Half Forgotten History. We wish him the best of success in his first year as a member of the LA Rams. Coming up next week, a guy that you knew by a certain name when he played in the NFL, but now is doing something completely different. Jake the Snake Plummer. From being the star at Arizona State to a star at the Arizona Cardinals to being a mushroom farmer. Yeah, that happened. We'll talk about it next week with Jake Plummer. We'll see you then. Yeah.